Yeah, yeah, but your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. Welcome, one and all, to the grand opening of episode 10 of Project Geekology, where we are coming to you from Isla Nublar, a, uh, an island just off the coast of Costa Rica, where we have a brand new park, Jurassic Park, opening. We have our first couple guests here to test out the park, to test out the amusements here. Uh, they're about to go on their first ever tour ride around the premises, and nothing could possibly go wrong. Uh, this is going to be a great day, uh, except for that storm that's right off the coast. Uh, it'll be fine. Oh, the power went out. We can't reach the Jeeps. Oh, no. Sorry, guys, that was long and corny, but I am one half of your hosts, Dakota, and we are joined with... Anthony and Dinosaurs. And dinosaur. Actually, speaking of dinosaurs, uh, I am currently drinking a beer from Toppling Goliath Brewing Company called Pseudo Sue Pale Ale, and it has a big picture of a T-Rex on it. Why? Because something that you guys may not know is that they've never actually found a complete skeleton of a dinosaur. Usually, because of the millions of years that pass bones start to decay so sometimes they'll find partial skeletons sometimes they'll only find bits and pieces of skeletons but sue the name of the which is named after or this beer is named after um sue is a t-rex that they found in 1990 that is the most complete skeleton they've ever found of any dinosaur period um and it's uh, they have like 95 percent of it uh still intact so that's pretty cool and um yeah so i'm I'm coming at this episode with style drinking something very appropriate um anthony are you excited to talk about jurassic park because i know i am always man i'm always excited to talk about jurassic park because i love dinosaurs i've always loved dinosaurs one of the first careers that i wanted to get into was paleontology because of jurassic park so yeah i am pretty excited Okay. All right. So I think we should start with a little bit of a, a history of like behind the scenes of the movie. Uh, not necessarily everything, but um, for those of you who don't know, I released a video recently, uh, a couple weeks ago at this point, um, about the making of Jurassic Park and how Spielberg made the dinosaurs believable. And it, it wasn't just Spielberg. It was a number of individuals that had different talents that came together to create one of the most memorable motion picture events of all time, that being 1993's Jurassic Park. But before the park, or before the, the movie ever came to be, there was the idea that Michael Crichton had for over a decade. He was really into dinosaurs. Now, Michael Crichton, he is the, the writer of Jurassic Park and other works that you may have heard of, uh, most notably Westworld. So he had the idea of uh, making a dinosaur story. He didn't know what it was going to be about. He, he knew it kind of wanted to be like a, a spin-off of the Westworld thing where he had an amusement park that had dinosaurs in it, like a zoo almost. Uh, but he didn't want to copy himself with that Westworld mold. And he also um, knew that uh, in the mid-80s and stuff, which is when he was thinking about writing all this, there was like a peak in like dinosaur uh, fervor. It was like dinomania. And he was just like, I, I kind of want to just ride this wave out and um, make this after the dinosaur wave dies out amongst fans. But it never did. It just kept growing. So he's just like, I'm going to write the story anyway. So he came up with the idea of Jurassic Park. And it's a fantastic novel. It's one of the it's 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 probably his most um a 
appreciated novel ever. And while he was writing it, he also happened to be f uh, friends with Steven Spielberg, and they were talking one of these days. And uh, Spielberg's like, "What do you got working? On, or what, what are you working on uh, novel-wise?" Um, and he talked about Jurassic Park, and Spielberg was like, "I want in. <laughs> I want to do it." They they put the movie up to market before the book even came out. So they 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 had uh, they were marketing this film around, and he had already had like a silent agreement with Spielberg, but uh, that's not how studios work, for the most part. So they they like shopped this idea around to a few things. Uh, people bid for like the highest uh, price to like make the thing, but it ended up being Spielberg anyway and Amblin Studios, and Spielberg. He was very, very excited to do a dinosaur movie, and that's that's kind of the seed of how Jurassic Park uh, stemmed, you know. Um, and obviously, the the book is very good. It's 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 very similar to the movie, but with some notable differences. But for the most part, we're going to be talking about the movie. I just wanted to kind of preface before even the making of the movie came out the story behind the novel itself because i think it's kind of interesting it's something you don't ever hear about anthony what do you what is your favorite scene in the jurassic park movie oh man i think my favorite scene you better not say the spinosaurus scene <laughs> that's not even in jurassic park, <laughs> I, was, I was gonna say wait what <laughs> um i think this my favorite scene is and i'm thinking back through the eyes of me being a kid absolutely obviously the tyrannosaur paddock you mm. know when when it comes out i feel like that's like the most iconic scene from that movie it's one of the coolest yeah. scenes and it's just it's amazing like it's just there's so much going on it's really cool seeing them like almost it's like the in the flesh you know so the dinosaurs you mean yeah. yeah 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 i think the tyrannosaur attack uh the attacking of the jeeps is one of the most visually stunning moments of like why do i want to call him william shakespeare uh, <laughs> uh, what's his name william shakespeare <laughs> <laughs> excuse me Steven all right Spielberg. william not William, Steven Spielberg, yeah, sorry. <laughs> William Shakespeare. Perhaps this beer was a bad idea. Oh, yeah, um, yeah man, uh, you might need to cut yourself off on that beer. I Yeah, apparently I do. Okay, so, yeah, I, I think that's one of the most visually stunning scenes that Steven Spielberg ever produced. I agree. Um, it's one of the things that, like, uh, when I even think of, like, Spielberg, that's the scene I think of, you know? Yeah. But w what about that scene... Uh, does it for you like what what do you think makes it work as opposed to other scenes i don't know well so for the longest time the tyrannosaurus rex was my favorite dinosaur mm, okay and it, it was always a toss-up i always liked the carnivore or the carnivorous dinosaurs it was always a toss-up because i actually do like the raptors too the velociraptors okay. yeah 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 and so those scenes were actually pretty cool. I actually like those scenes too. But I don't know. It's just seeing the scale of the Tyrannosaur and, you know, it, it just, it seems so terrifying because you, you know, you're looking at this as a little kid and you're trying to just, like, you're kind of like imagining yourself in that moment also. Just like, you know, like this is like scary, but it was really cool also because, you know, it, it's just, it's the one that when I think of this movie, I always, always think of that moment. 
Yeah, it's either one of two scenes for people. The Tyrannosaur attack or the the scene in the kitchen with the raptors. Those are the two scenes that people remember most from Jurassic Park. That and when uh, Alan Grant first sees the dinosaurs oh yeah 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 that's that's such a iconic moment um that in and of itself is like one of the first times um well it is the first time ever on like a motion picture that you see a realistic a photorealistic animal on a screen that was created through cgi um that was the first time that had ever been done in in cinemas before i think that's a huge accomplishment because not only was it the first time it looks fantastic uh, 27 years later and i think the scoring for this film was done by our boy johnny right our boy john williams yeah um so spielberg and john williams have a really long history of working together i think williams has scored every single one of his movies except for one since uh sugarland express which is one of uh spielberg's first films so it's one of the longest like working Hollywood relationships of uh, of all time, and it's one of the most profitable because obviously you have one of the greatest directors and you know arguably the best composer of all time working together. So yeah, can you blame him? I mean, this dude has been scoring so many of our favorite films. To be honest, I learned this on the soundtrack show. It's another podcast. I highly recommend. It's it's a it's kind of a breakdown of soundtracks, film scores. Wait, what's it called? Again? Um, the soundtrack show and it's it's one of the most professional podcasts out there i highly recommend it but uh one of the episodes um i think it's it's the jaws episode they kind of explain spielberg's relationship with uh williams and how spielberg as a young filmmaker uh noticed uh williams talent before williams was hugely popular and he was just like i want to work with this guy this is the guy I want to work with. And um, he got it. And they've been like best friends for uh, their career. So that's one of the cool things about Hollywood. Like if you if you get like uh, chummy with the right people, you can make some serious like works of art, you know? And I think that's the great thing about film is that it's kind of like all art forms brought together in one because you have like literal hand-drawn stuff or uh, like concept art and then you have like music which is another form of art obviously filmography and photography and everything is kind of brought together in film uh, acting and it, it all comes up into one big project and yeah so I'm, a, I'm going on a tangent I'm very passionate about Jurassic Park obviously yeah um, I mean I don't blame you I think Jurassic Park is arguably in a lot of people's top 10 yeah so do you know where um jurassic park was filmed i believe it was filmed in hawaii right yes the outdoor scenes are mostly filmed in Kauai. the on location stuff mm. except for one scene and that's the galamima stampede that's in honolulu although it was all supposed to be shot in uh Kauai. all the interior shots of um you know, like any anywhere where they're inside and some like close-up shots in the forest and stuff were filmed on on stages on both uh, Universal's lot as well as Warner Brothers lot. They, they they went to Warner Brothers, they like rented out one of their lots because it was, they needed a, a big set for some of their uh, set pieces, like especially for the Tyrannosaur paddock. Nice. What's crazy about the Kauai scenes is they, they were planning on doing a three-week shoot in Kauai which means they sent 140 people down to this island 
and they they trekked through uh, miles of like brush to uh, find the right spots to build and they had already sent like a crew to like build certain sets and locations on on the island before that but when they got there one of the the funny things about it was they were fighting with weather oh man weather was like uh th- they went to literally the rainiest spot in the world which is like <laughs> that that area of the pacific this is kind of a crazy story i'm gonna make a video on it to like break it down further but the worst hurricane to ever hit Kauai, ever hit hawaii period on record happened on their last day of shooting dude are you serious yes oh my gosh so literally like you can look it up it's hurricane iniki it's it's the 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 strongest hurricane that ever hit hawaii happened um, on their last day of shooting on Kauai, or it was supposed to be the last day of shooting it was either a category four or category five it was either way it was it was just it was crazy they didn't know about it until like the day of that it was even coming oh my gosh they were planning planning to shoot that that gallimimus stampede scene with alan and the kids there in some valley but so this hurricane comes and they are in they're in the hotel and they're all just kind of like talking and stuff and like they're trying to keep each other chipper and apparently spielberg was really good with kids so he was like you know telling the kids ghost stories and uh like just keeping them entertained and stuff so that that's a cool little anecdote but when it was over when the hurricane had finished it literally wiped out all the sets that they had built like the you know in the in the beginning when they ride up in the jeeps and you see like the big uh, visitor center in Jurassic oh Park, really it was leveled leveled it was everything that they built was gone and like all the roads were were closed so producer kathleen kennedy um she literally ran on foot five miles to the nearest airport because the roads were impassable at the time she 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 ran on foot to the airport and they were like sorry we can't help you this isn't gonna like we we have other priorities right now we can't we can't get your people out of here so she uh she ran back and the film crew what's great about a film crew is that you have literally all trades on you at at all times you have electricians you have carpenters you have um you know handymen you have people with lighting and stuff right so you have everyone there already helping out like they had already like brought power back to the hotel and everything and they were clearing the roads by the time kathleen got back she took a, a car one of the jeeps that they had with them to the airport and she took a few people and she was able to get a flight off of the island to honolulu but only but only her because it was it was for like medical supplies and stuff so in Honolulu, because it was less hit than Kauai was, um, she was trying to like get it, get in contact with people. She was like, uh, "What are we doing uh, with this and stuff?" And uh, she worked out a, a deal where she would fly back to Kauai with like medical supplies, and they would unload the metal, medical supplies and bring her crew to safety on that ship in return. But funny enough. She only made that plan because of the pilot. She happened to know the pilot from another film that was... She didn't recognize him at first, but it was the guy... It was the pilot in Raiders of the Lost Ark that had a snake in the plane. (laughs) That's crazy. And 
yeah, he, he was like, hey, do you remember me? I'll help you out. So because she knew that guy, she was able to save the lives of her like 140 people stuck on Kauai with like, you know, no running water or anything. So uh, I, I don't know. I think that's like a story that's like just as cool as the actual <laughs> like destruction of uh, like the, the, the island uh, of, from the dinosaurs themselves. So, yeah, I, I think that that's like a lesser known story that most people don't realize is pretty cool and a lot like nowadays people are like oh kathleen kennedy ruins everything that she touches not really she's she's actually a good producer you know like that's that's what she does she gets people um the help that they need i don't know it's something that i think is, is worth talking about and discussing but yeah that, that's actually a really cool story i've never heard of it i haven't heard that story yeah. so it's cool yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna make a video on it i, I have some footage of it oh and they like there's like uh steven spielberg went outside during the hurricane to like take pictures or take video of like the water crashing up uh on on like the shore and he used some of those shots in like the stormy scene uh of jurassic park i don't know i think it's pretty cool like he was able to work it into the movie that's cool <laughs> that's cool that they worked with what they had yeah man that's crazy so, that's a crazy story yeah i think it's a fun one um but let's jump away from the behind the scenes stuff and uh talk a little bit about like the actual film itself like what we like about it what we dislike yeah of course. i don't think there's anything we actively dislike but what I, i've been talking for the last couple minutes you, you go ahead and take the lead all right yeah that that sounds good now as an adult looking back on jurassic park one of the things that i like a lot about it is that it's one of those like big monster or dinosaur films that doesn't feel like a b film like most of these films do it's just it's great it's really good cinema i mean it has dinosaurs a lot of people like dinosaurs and it was the first film to do dinosaurs right too. yeah yeah I, I i'll agree and i like the characters who's your favorite character i liked alan grant grant was like one yeah. of my favorite characters uh malcolm could be annoying at sometimes but or for me malcolm could be a little annoying but his character was funny at some points and yeah. he wasn't a dumb character he was actually pretty smart it's just that sometimes he was a little too full of himself if that makes sense oh yeah 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 he was he's so in the book they they kind of describe him as they they describe that chaos titians which is what he is as being almost like rock stars because of like their niche field in the the, the field of science and mathematics they kind of portray that really well with uh, Jeff Goldblum's character because he kind of just has a certain swagger to him. That's he really did, you know. It, it's it's perfect for the movie, and I think they explained it better in the book, like why he's even on the island. Because like when you're just watching the movie casually, you don't pick up on the subtleties of like, uh, oh, chaos titians can kind of uh, use uh, sample models and stuff to predict whether something's going to be a success or not. Yeah, and in the book. The, his entire purpose is like to foreshadow the fact that this park is going to fail like terribly not just like terribly catastrophically like the people are going to lose lives at this park and they kind of touch on that in the in the movie um if you're listening like i actually noticed i put it on subtitles um the last time i viewed it and i was like oh they actually got a lot of this from the novel but because it happens so quickly 
you don't even think about it yeah because you're just thinking about the next scene like oh this is the next scene is when they show like the dna coming from the frogs and stuff blah 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 next scene is when they show the baby velociraptor you don't think about like the little dialogue features that they have in there but all of it comes from the novel um very very little of it doesn't so i think in that sense it's pretty faithful to the book even though there are some major character changes i think malcolm is probably the most faithful yeah i i do say that jeff goldblum i do believe that he pulls off that character pretty well i know that he can be annoying but he was always my favorite character growing up because of his he has a swagger to him he does he does i will admit that he really does what about ellie sattler i looked her character too I I, th- I thought it was pretty funny when Malcolm was trying to make a move on her. <laughs> and she just jumps out of the car? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, okay, well, you know, you you know, you know, couldn't predict that that was going to happen. You know what the whole like, water drop thing that he was trying to do? Dude, that was yeah. so funny. He's like, yeah, well, you know, the, the, the imperfection of the skin and, you know, oh my gosh, yeah. That part right there where she jumps out of the car to the Triceratops, I absolutely loved that they went practical with that scene because it looked so real. It looked so real. Like, I mean, even looking back then, like, I mean, obviously you can tell that it's not real, but the detail in it made it look very realistic. Had they tried to do something along the lines of like CGI for that scene, they would have failed very, very badly. Yeah. Um, in my opinion, I, I, I might be, I might be wrong, but um, at that point there had been nothing like uh, what people are capable of doing with CGI now, where they're able to interact with objects through CGI. This was, it was important that they had like the actual animatronic dinosaur on set on location where they were filming because it just it it brings uh their performances to another level you know i agree Um, i love that scene of uh ellie sattler crying it just because it it it, that like shows the audience that to these people the the dinosaur experts this is legit this these are real dinosaurs that they're seeing right she sold it yeah she sold it for the audience for the audience's sake are there any scenes that for you don't hold up or scenes that you um, kind of find is are, are corny or I'm trying to think. So yeah, Dennis Nedry's, um, I feel like his character was a little corny. Okay. Uh, I do believe that some of it served a point, but I feel like out of all the characters, his was like the campiest. What, what the movie doesn't get across well enough, in my opinion, is the fact that Dennis Nedry is the reason the whole park shuts down. Like, he's the reason that this is going on. Right. And uh, so and, his character was important. His, his, oh, yeah. yeah his it, character was important. It's just his character was also, like, the campiest one for being the villain. Yes. It, but it was like, you don't you don't even see him as the villain, which is right, kind of the yeah. weird thing. The, the movie doesn't have a hard and fast villain yes you know you could probably say that the velociraptors or the t-rex was the villain but really they're just being animals right you know they're they're animals trying to look for food and doing what they do in their wild or what we assume they did in the wild in the book they kind of make nedry out to be a much more conniving person and the guy in the beginning uh you know when he when he's like dodson dodson we've got dodson here nobody cares that guy 
he's the he's the actual bad guy in the movie you know or in the book he's like he's the guy that kind of prompts this entire dennis nedry arc you know like he's the one who sets it like in motion for the park to fail so and that's something that the movie doesn't even like touch upon you know right it just shows him in the beginning if if you break it down yeah you can you can like trace the pieces to him but the movie doesn't make it clear that like these two dudes are the reason the park fails miserably you know i do have to say that the shaving cream bottle thing was pretty cool like that was like a cool thing to, to hide the the dna in Oh yeah, and it was actually it had actual shaving cream and stuff too. Yeah, right. That was I'd shave out of that. Right, um, for real. Just be like, hey, look, I have dinosaur DNA in the bottom. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I thought that was that, was a, that is a cool thing. What else? Samuel L. Jackson has a I know uh, one of the weirder roles in the movie, just because like he's it, like a in, nerd. In, in the course of his career, like this is the most left field role that he's taken that I can remember anyway. It's kind of tame. You know? for him it, yeah it's a very tame role for him i i think it, the movie's better for it uh, i just because i don't think he was a huge name at the time this was 90 93 so i don't think it was i can't remember I, he, I think this he, was probably right after pulp fiction or something yeah and i think that that was that, that was a pretty big film that probably put his name out there but yeah uh yeah this was definitely one of his more tame roles oh actually i'm sorry pulp fiction was a year after this okay. so so yeah so he was a nobody at this point i mean he, i'm sure he'd been in stuff before but like this was because he wasn't a known name this was like um a, a pretty decent like new role for him to be in what about the the kids what do you think like how, how do you feel about like their roles in the film i think that if they weren't there there really wouldn't have been too much at stake for alan like for alan like you know he would have been able to do his thing but it made it a lot harder because he had to kind of like he had to save them while trying to dodge from getting eaten himself so it definitely added a bit more for him yeah i think the film would be frankly less good if the kids weren't in it just because it gives it gives the adults the adult characters someone to attempt to take care of it, it it adds a certain dimension to the story that's uh, multi-generational you know we have hammond who's this grandfather figure we have um adults which uh, you know ian malcolm alan grant ellie sattler and then we have tim and lex the children so we have a multi-generational story here and they're each reacting to certain uh scenarios differently and I think for Alan himself, who is stuck with the kids for most of the film, I think they do a really interesting thing where, you know, in the book, he's really good with kids. He likes kids in the book. But in the movie, they do the polar opposite. He's really bad with kids. I don't know if you remember in the, in the beginning of the movie, he's like, he scares the, 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 the chubby kid uh, at the Velociraptor dig by like, you know, with, with the claw. Oh, yeah. It's just like, and then they open you up while you're still alive. And I'm like, you could tell he's really bad with kids and he doesn't want kids. But by the end of the movie, you know, both kids are, like, leaning on his shoulders, like, resting in the helicopter. And it's like, you could see that arc change as he's become not a father figure to these children, but uh, a mentor. Um, He's helped them out of this difficult situation. And I think without the kids being in the film, he 
would be a less interesting character. I agree. And like I said, the whole dynamic of him having to juggle not getting eaten while saving them at the same time, I think that added to the story. And I don't know, like, I thought it was like completely ridiculous that they were shining that light through the window when the the T-Rex was there. I feel like as a kid, I would have been like, I would have been freaking out and I would have been like doing whatever I could to not bring any attention to myself. At least like I, I like I feel like I would have like just you know, thinking back as back a kid. Yeah, I would have like kept down like, OK, what am I what do I do? Yeah. The fact that Lex decided that she was going to um, go into the back of the truck, find a flashlight and shine it in this giant creature's eyes. Uh, is is a decision very few of us would make, <laughs> right? And I know she was trying to get Alan's attention, but also in the sense, I mean, she was the older one. It's like, well, I'm pretty sure he could see that there's a ginormous dinosaur right there. Yeah. It, Why, what is he gonna do? Like drugs. get out and like walk right across to where it's at to get eaten? It's really it's really interesting the the reactions from the two jeeps. So you have um, Alan and Ian in one car right and and then you have the two kids and uh the lawyer i think his name is Gennaros or something like that Gennaris. and he the lawyer guy runs out of the car and runs into the bathroom <laughs> that's a classic Which, scene right there when you gotta go you gotta go <laughs> and um, he like sits on the toilet yeah, he just sits there, which it's kind of sad that he would leave the kids like that. But there are people who would, you know, who have a self-preservation instinct and forget about everyone else, you know? Yeah. It does happen, and it's sad when it does, but, you know, it it's kind of a realistic thing that might happen in something like this. Especially when you have, like, a character who's kind of a wuss. <laughs> but, like, I love the reaction in the other Jeep with Alan and Ian just, like... They're just like sitting back like it's a movie like stand very still he won't see us and ian's just like i hate when i'm right i'm always right <laughs> <laughs> yeah and meanwhile the kids are like shining a light in his eyes i know like, yeah they're like i mean obviously something bright that's going over your eye you're you're gonna something it's gonna catch the attention of something oh yeah the the worst is um when like he comes at their level and and like she shines the light right into his eye like as it's right there and you see the pupil dilate. oh dude that was I, really cool it's cool and that's practical it's a practical effect that they did um and i think it looked really good it looks great uh, i mean it looked just like an eye dilating i think most people nowadays are able to probably register what are the practical effects and what are the digital effects in that scene you know you can kind of see it if you're looking for it you can you can see it yes obviously the moments where the the tyrannosaur is like walking and or chasing yeah you can very clearly see it looks a little bit lighter than the rest like of the glo scene like glossier almost you know yes so yeah yeah i've definitely especially with the older films i've been able to pick stuff like that up uh but when the practical effects come in it but it even the cgi effects don't look all that bad for it for the no. time and that's what i want to like get across is the fact that this is the first film of its kind using cgi in that manner and so much cgi actually like yeah. there, before this there was nothing that had used this much cgi before to this extent and considering all that you can watch this movie in 2020 or like 27 years later 
and this is still one of the it still looks good like you have to like actually sit down and critique the cgi to actually notice when it's like faulty or whatever you know it's really well uh, achieved feat that they were able to do that in 1993 yeah i agree man i think that the work that they put into this film really shown i mean it shows that they really put hard work into it oh yeah absolutely everyone involved um uh whether it's the effects department whether it's uh the uh cg department the animatronics department um there was even a stop motion department at one point um that kind of merged into the cg department oh but, nice yeah so it, it, there's there's a lot that went into all of this that it's just it's crazy um but it, it works you know and today it's one of the most successful blockbusters of all time it's i don't know if i want to say it's my it's my favorite blockbuster of all time because i don't think that's true but it's um, I, it you it would be safe to say it's in your top 10 oh yeah yeah yeah. it's that's an easy top 10 for me it's an easy top 10 pick um, yeah i agree and what's what's fun about this is that it kind of sparked um, not only sequels to the series, it kind of sparked a, a sequel series to the series. <laughs> a sequel series to the series, yep. And then, you know, on Netflix, if you have, have uh, noticed, they have a new show called Camp Cretaceous, yes. which is a, a spin off to the sequel series to the series to the first film. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That's a mouthful. Yes. So for those counting at home we have jurassic park 1993 then we have the lost world that came a few years later that was also a steven spielberg film i haven't watched that in a minute i have to i have to go back and watch that because i i don't remember much about it actually last time i saw it was actually when i was a kid i think i've seen jurassic park 3 more recently than i've seen 2 they had them all on netflix at one point so yeah, they i actually had them, it was it was literally like uh three weeks that they had them on netflix and then they they dropped them that dude i found that insane but i i watched them during those three weeks i actually got to watch all three of them i hadn't seen lost world in a while I, for some reason like i remember seeing the third one more than the second one but i've seen the first one way more than all of those but i actually remember seeing the third one in theaters like back in like summer camp when i was a kid yeah, what was the third one? I think. Let me just look it up really quick. Jurassic Park 3. Yeah, dude, when we went to camp, I remember that was one of the. Okay, so 2001. So we were about 10 years old at the time. <laughs> Dakota, I, have to, I gotta take a picture of this real quick because you're frozen and your face looks crazy. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna send it to you. You can just show me on the thing because you're not frozen. Oh, am I not? Okay, okay. No, you're not. Dude, your face is... It just looks crazy. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> not not flattering. I'm going to send it to you so you can show Jen your crazy face. I don't know what happened. Uh, and then we have Jurassic World that came out, I think, in 2015. Yes. Um, that was like a revamping of the series, but it's also a continuation. It's not just a, a spinoff. It is a continuation, I think, like some, what, 15 years later or so. Right. I mean, they do talk about the other islands, I believe, right? They, they do talk about them, uh, like how Jurassic Park was a failure. 
Yeah, well, the Isla Nublar is where Jurassic World takes place, which is the island that Jurassic Park right. takes place on. So they do exist on the same island. Um, the second film, I think, is Isla Nublar. Or, sorry, Isla Sorna, which is yes the second island of dinosaurs. Um, I don't know if... And I haven't seen um, Jurassic Park Fallen Kingdom. I think that's the second one. Or Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. I haven't seen the the most recent one. So Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom is almost like the Lost World. Whereas okay. in the Lost World, you know how they they capture the T-Rex and they bring it back to San Diego. And then yeah. it kind of goes rampant. Mm-hmm. They kind of do something along the lines. In this one, they bring dinosaurs back to the mainland, and then you can already imagine what's going to happen in that. I don't want to spoil too much for you. You know, I want you to to actually see it. But yeah, it kind of follows that I know the formula. premise of I know the premise of the third Jurassic World, so I, I kind of know the what 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 happens. So the, there's another one coming out called Jurassic World Dominion. Yes. I think they're filming it now, actually. And what's cool about that film is that they go back to the original cast of Jurassic Park. Um, so uh, Ian Malcolm, or Jeff Goldblum's Ian Malcolm, uh, Laura Dern. Um, I forget Alan Grant's actor. Oh my gosh, I just made a freaking video, but whatever. <laughs> um, um, that, that's good though, because I actually like them. What about? And they're not—they're not just going to be cameos. They're going to be like in the main cast. What about Bryce Dallas Howard and Chris Pratt? I'm assuming that they're going to be in it. Okay. Um, yeah, just because they're the stars of the first two Jurassic Worlds. So. Yeah. Yeah, I'm expecting that to be. Uh, I, I I do want to get back into it because actually I I just watched Camp Cretaceous. How was uh, it? Which is is actually pretty good. Um, I wanted to it, check it out. Yeah, give it give it like an episode or two. Um, by the end of the season, it's like really good. That's cool. Um, what What's great about uh, kids entertainment nowadays is that you're starting to see um, actual depth in children's entertainment. You know, you have that in Avatar: The Last Airbender. You right. have it in some uh, anime that we've seen over the years, but we're starting to see it more regularly. Like you have like the Clone Wars and Rebels, which uh, actually have like really solid. Uh, entertainment value and like storytelling uh, abilities that like adults can enjoy with camp cretaceous you're starting to see a little bit of that bleed into it as well it's kind of like a parallel so what happens in jurassic world is happening on another side of the park as what's happening in camp cretaceous so they take place like concurrently okay so the first jurassic world uh and camp cretaceous happens at the same time yeah they're both on the same park but um it's just so you're seeing events with like the Indominus Rex uh, like happening elsewhere in the park but these like I think it's six kids or whatever are dealing with their own problems over here and sometimes the the two storylines intersect a little bit and it's kind of cool I think it's I think it's actually pretty well done you learn more about like uh, Eugene Wu who is the the DNA the geneticist uh, guy from the original Jurassic Park movies Mm, um, who created the dinosaurs um, who they kind of turn into like an evil genius in Jurassic World, so yeah, I, I, I'm I'm excited to go back and like rewatch the other Jurassic Park movies and the Jurassic World movies because the the original Jurassic Park is just so good. It's such a classic film. It really is, and it's it's kind of one of those movies that like came at the perfect time 
in pop culture and, and like the development of uh, certain things because uh, any earlier than 1993 and the movie would have been stop motion any mm. later than 1993 and the film would have been too much CGI. Yep. You know, it kind of found that perfect middle ground uh, at the turning of the uh, like Hollywood paradigm. Um, and it, it kind of meshed everything that had come before and everything that was coming in the future into one movie. And that's kind of like the middle point or the starting point, I would say, of CGI and the end point of stuff like stop motion and stuff like that. Obviously, you have other movies that use stop motion as like an artistic style. But for like live action stuff, they don't use stop motion anymore. You know what I'm saying? I think that that's why media such as The Mandalorian works so well because there's a great blend of CGI and practical effect. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I just think that that's where we need to be. And the the good thing about like a show like Mandalorian is that the practical effects just they look even better. Because, you know, there's all this year, there's so many years of practical effect and perfecting, you know, within that universe. So just seeing something like that in the current day, kind of that they used in a movie like Jurassic Park, it's great. It's great seeing that. I think that a world for both exists. I I think that you can't go 100% with practical effects or 100% with CGI. Because one, well, full practical effect would be super expensive to make because you would have to like really perfect it, and it would be really hard to make. Dark crystal stuff, you know. Yeah, which is expensive and time-consuming. Or you could do the opposite, which is you know, uh, like the Avatar uh, movies, the James Cameron Avatar movies, which is all CGI. So it's kind of like you have to blend a little bit of both um, to get that perfect. Um, feel for a film and that's kind of what um, the new Star Wars trilogy especially uh, I think they did a lot of that in uh, Last Jedi and Force Awakens of mixing practical and digital but I think Mandalorian is is doing it even better with their new like uh, stage setup anyway with with that being said do you have any final thoughts on Jurassic Park Anthony dinosaurs rule always yes uh yeah oh they, well they do and and like i mean like we we talked about it a little bit and we i mean we kind of wanted to to start it off with this but you know what you know we're gonna end this episode off with a bang we have made it to 10 episodes we have made it to 10 episodes it is crazy i can't believe that we started this back a few months ago and man we're just we keep on going I mean, 10 episodes, that is just like, for me, it just boggles my mind. I, to me, I think it's a landmark. It's amazing. And I'm excited that we just keep on. I, I'm excited that we, we keep making these. And it's it's just been great every week. Yeah, I, I don't know that we have a huge audience here at Project Ecology. And we hope that we get more of an audience. But either way, we're uh, it's it's fun having this little uh, these episodes usually take us about an hour so it's like an hour out of our week that we get to spend just talking about something that we love and i think it's 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 therapeutic in a way you know i think talking about um art does something to your mind it's almost like 
you get it off of your mind in a way you know like you have something to say about a certain topic and by talking about it by dissecting it especially with friends um you are able to uh kind of just get it off your chest get whatever thoughts that you have boiled up inside or um themes that you want to get across uh discussed i think that's really good for you um i don't i i i've i felt that doing geek critique over the past couple years with jen um just having like sit down reviews i find i learned so much more about the topics at hand just by talking about it and i think um it's good to um, have an audience to to like kind of check us in a little bit uh, in some ways you know to allow uh, the audience to um, hear these recorded little instances that you know two decades ago we wouldn't have been able to do you know podcast didn't exist back then so this is an awesome time that we get to uh, spend as friends but also as uh, entertainers and we hope we are helping uh, entertain you guys we hope we hope that we're helping uh, alleviate some of the uh, (laughs) the stress of getting to work in the mornings or uh, wherever whenever you listen to podcasts we hope that we are helping entertain you and uh, give you something to think about and stuff to revisit or visit for the first time if you haven't seen or uh, read certain properties. So thanks so much for uh, making uh, this show enjoyable for us. Whether it's a success uh, a year from now, 10 years from now, we don't know. We have no idea. We're enjoying it. We're enjoying talking to you guys. We're enjoying uh, talking to each other about things we love. And I think we're going to keep going. Um, I agree. I agree. Um, those of you out there that have been sticking with us we- weekly, we 100% appreciate you. We also see that you guys are spreading the word for us, and we appreciate that. I have friends that have been spreading the word for us, and so I think it's been great. Oh, also, big shout out! Big shout out to Graf Fuller, who has. Um, been a huge fan of geek critique for a long time he's been one of our best commenters he's he's always there for our videos he's been commenting every single episode on twitter um yes about about the show he's been sharing it around thank you so much graf we know you're listening to this right now thank you um, thank you so much we we really do yeah. appreciate that and yeah with, with with that being said um join us on on twitter <clears throat> we have a twitter set up we share different things we send out our releases and updates and just connecting with with you guys out there uh yeah uh, yeah our twitter is at pgeekology we're also going to put it in the show notes we also have an instagram which is at project ecology and uh, we also we we post things there also releases and, and updates there too uh, so yes follow us there we'll we'll probably open up other channels of, of uh, social media so yeah continue putting out that that word of mouth we appreciate that uh we appreciate you guys being there uh weekly and listening to us i mean even those who who are listening i mean we we have people that have been listening to our older episodes you know catching up we appreciate that too we really appreciate that um those of you if you have an option to be able to to review hit us whatever review yeah hit us with that nice five star review and yeah let's let's keep this going It's, it's really fun for episode 11 
we're going to be doing something a little bit different. And this is something that a lot of you probably have not witnessed. We hope that you do get the opportunity to check it out. It's an anime by director Makoto Shinkai called Your Name. And uh, it's currently being adapted uh, for American audiences uh, by J.J. Abrams' company. But yeah, it's it's being adapted to uh, more fit like the like American Hollywood stuff. But it's going to be an interesting thing because uh, the the film itself, the the anime film, um, wherever you get to, I guess rent or stream it from, is one of the strongest anime films I've ever seen, and I've seen all of Hayao Miyazaki stuff. So um, that's it's kind of high praise right there. But Anthony, I don't think you've ever seen your name. I'm actually pretty excited because. I've been wanting to see it for a while. I own it. I just have not had the time to actually sit down and watch it. I am like current with uh, My Hero Academia. Like I've been kind of just like checking out, checking off boxes and a certain anime that I've been wanting to catch up on. And yeah, I think that it is time for me to finally jump on that bandwagon because I've heard a lot of good things about it. Yeah. Speaking of my my hero academia, I just started reading the the manga um, this past week. Forgot to talk about that in like the beginning of the episode, but I've been enjoying it. It's it's pretty close to the anime. Um, so so far at least. So I think that I'm enjoying. You've that. seen it, right? You've seen the anime. I've seen the first season. Yeah, I have, oh, I have okay, to catch dude, up on you, it. You got to keep on. Yeah, dude. Yeah, but I wanna I wanna read through it first and then watch it. But anyway, thank you guys so much for joining us for our 10th episode. This has been a lot of fun. We hope you uh, do get the opportunity to check out some of our other episodes. If you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And again, wherever uh, Anthony mentioned, which is in our show notes, like our Twitter handle and our Instagram page, um, please be sure to go follow those accounts. Um, We do post updates regularly on the statuses of our podcast and stuff. So again, thank you. We hope to see you again next week. Have a good one. And this concludes the Steven Spielberg Chronicles. Oh, yeah, because this has been three weeks of Steven Spielberg in a row. <laughs> yeah. No mas for a long time, please. <laughs> all right. Uh, all righty, bye. Bingo. Dino DNA. <laughs> <laughs>